Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. That says it all. Let's check the buzz on the street and see what's happening. I found a quote from Hatem Zein, Z-E-I-N-E, at Forbes.com. And let me just read the quote. This will set us up for our topic today. Here's the buzz. We're on the path to treating cities like living entities with biosignatures waiting to be decoded and leveraged. A city is indeed organic in the sense that it was invented by us, some unusually smart monkeys who reside on a chunk of rock circling a nuclear furnace. Okay, unquote. That's interesting. So what are we talking about today? Faced with major weather events, you know the weather is changing, whether you believe in climate change or not. Aging infrastructure, come on, equipment is getting old, systems are getting old, new competitors from all sides, and consumers who are expecting and demanding more and more. The utility industry, that's what we're talking about. Utility industry is in the midst of unprecedented change. Seriously, it's not your grandpa's or your grandma's old utility anymore. It can't be. What's going on? How are they going to survive, thrive, and endure? Well, we're going to talk today about something called digitalization. I love that word because it has so many syllables. Syllables. Digitalization, intelligent technologies, and data. That's what is going to be helping utilities and the cities they serve operate more efficiently, engage better with these demanding customers, and you may be one of them, and become resourceful stewards of the world's electricity, gas, and water, because that's what we're talking about. So welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and our topic today is officially digitalization. I said it, powering utilities, and smart cities. I'm going to tell you who our three esteemed panelists are, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. In just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Jay Miller. He spells his last name name M-I-L-L-A-R. He's the Director of Outcomes Business at ITROD, and we'll find out what he does. Joining him on the panel is David Harkness, CIO, Chief Information Officer, and Senior VP at Excel Energy XCEL is how they spell it, and Michael O'Donnell, National Vice President Utilities at SAP North America. Panelists, thank you so much for joining me. And let's go around the table and see what Jay Miller has sent us. Jay sent us a quote that's very interesting because I think a lot of people have said something similar, but it actually dates back to a Danish politician named Carl Christian with a K, Wilhelm Steinke, S-T-I-N-C-K-E, 1880 to 1963, a Minister of Denmark from 1924 to 26 in the cabinet. And here's the quote. It will sound familiar, very interesting. Quote, prediction is hard, especially when it is about the future. Jay Miller, how are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Oh, delighted to have you. I love the quote, Jay. Tell me how it relates. We're talking utilities, digitalization, which is still a hard word to pronounce, powering utilities, smart cities, not your same old, same old utility. So how does this quote relate, please? 
Well, the opening quote, you know, prediction is hard, especially when it's about the future. Most people associate that with Yogi Berra or uh, Niels Bohr, a quantum physicist. But it makes me think of a book I recently listened to by Michael Lewis. And he's the, uh, he's the best-selling author of many books, Moneyball, The Big Short, and others. And mm-hmm. he recently released a, a short two-hour audio book on audible.com called The Coming Storm. And it states in the, he states in the book that the five-day forecast today is now as accurate as the one-day forecast was a little over a decade ago. And, and why is that? It's because there's better information, there's more information, and there are better algorithms uh, created to predict the future. So predicting the future is getting better with more information. And it's fascinating to me, uh, Michael Lewis explores in this book, how this, this, this improved view of the future creates adjacent industries, and he, he explores uh, the insurance industry. If you want to uh, insure your outdoor event, your wedding, uh, you mm-hmm. can get, uh, there's a new business that's been created and spawned because of that. They, they actually moved a Major League Baseball game four hours earlier than originally started from like 4 p.m. to noon in order to, to get the game in and to allow the fans to enjoy the experience. So similarly, utilities and smart cities, uh, they seek to grow in information maturity. They have they have a lot of information, but they want higher quantity and they want higher quality information to create better algorithms to, to predict their future and to keep us all safe and, and, uh, and, and doing what we do. So think about it for a minute. The utilities are going through a disruption tsunami right now. There's, there's renewable power and this distributed energy production places new challenges on the management of electricity distribution systems. Uh, water loss, we're tracking that very closely. And did you know mm-hmm. that 30% of water is lost after purification? And that's a lot of energy expended that doesn't need to be. And then there's real-time gas pressure and quali- uh, quality monitoring to increase safety for gas utilities. And then, then you and I and, and David and Michael, we're the consumers who want to be empowered to make more resourceful choices. So the utility industry is like the smart and, and smart cities are like the weather industry. And they have information and there's much more information to come new sensors, new, uh, new power sources, et cetera. And these new algorithms will be created to vastly improve our quality of life and our ability to uh, predict the future. Thank you very much, Jay. Very well done. I, I love the way you went around that. And let me tell you that I think there's a, another version of the quote, the only way to predict the future is to create it. I think you've heard that one too. So I was very intrigued that you found who we believe is the source of the quote. And just for a little disclaimer here, everyone, this quote was originally in the Danish language and translated. So thank you very much for a look back in quote history, Jay Miller, and for a great overview of our topic. We have a lot more to come from you. By the way, the quote was also attributed to Nostradamus, Sam Goldwyn at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, Yogi Berra, and Niels Bohr. We'll leave that alone. David Harkness is up next, and David has sent us a quote, we've never had this before, from Ric Flair's autobiography, which is called To Be the Man. Richard Morgan Flyer, F-L-I-E-H-R, born February 25, 1949, known as Ric Flair, is an American professional wrestling manager and retired pro wrestler signed to the WWE under its Legends program, and his catchphrase is the title of his autobiography, To Be the Man. Here is the quote David has selected from Ric Flair. To be the man, you got to beat the man. David Harkness, how are you? I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much for having me. We are delighted to have you. I love the quote. We have never had a quote from Ric Flair before. Appreciate that very much. So are you a WWE fan? David, tell me the truth. 
You know, I have been a fan in past years. I tend to not watch it as, as much anymore since uh, Rick and the Hulk Hogan uh, folks have uh, moved on to other things. But I do appreciate the entertainment value. Uh, you nailed it. It is entertainment value. Thank you very much. So let's talk about the quote. We're talking digitalization, utilities, smart cities, and the quote is to be the man. You got to beat the man. And so relate that for me, please. Yeah. So, you know, first, I think it's got pretty good, uh, you know, alignment to, you know, athletics, right? That's the first thing that I think of when I when I hear that quote. Um, you know, if you want to, and you've heard some some modifications of it. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And I think it's you know it's it's pretty good words to live by, no matter what you're looking at in life. And I think where it starts to relate towards the utility industry is that as the incumbent uh, in this industry, you know, we tend to we tend to have all of the customers, right? All we've got a captive mm-hmm. audience in customers. We've got a captive audience <clears throat> in a lot of the things that we do, especially in our regulated territories. And so at the end of the day, there's a lot of folks coming after our customers. There are a lot of folks coming after those goods and services that we provide and are looking to, you know, replace us as that mm-hmm. uh, interface into the customer, into the customer base. Um, so I think when you start to talk about, you know, maybe not necessarily the best, because I think there's a lot of ways that we can be better in the way we service our customers, the way we interact and communicate with our customers. Clearly, there's opportunities for us to improve. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're the ones that a lot of folks are coming after. So we need to be at our best uh, because we're going to get everyone else's best shot. Thank you very much. That's a great reality check. And we're so pleased to have you coming from directly as a participant in the utilities industry, David. A uh, quick question for you. Excel Energy, how did it get its name? It's capital X, lowercase C-E-L. How did the company get named? Well, I'm, I wasn't here at the time the company was named, but we are actually the, the generation of a merger. Uh, we, there was some utilities in the southern states, the largest of which was Colorado. Um, and then there was northern states power. Uh, in the northern states, and when those two companies came together, they formed XL Energy. I think it was back in uh, like 2000, 2001. Thank you very much. And I just looked up, uh, pursuant to your comment, uh, I looked up an article on Bloomberg from this year. Utility companies head into a cloudy future. People will always need power. Machine learning, innovation, and competition are about to change a long-established industry. That's by Nathaniel Ballard from July of this year. And I I won't read the article, but very, very interesting. A lot more talking about the utility of the future. That's one of the taglines of the article. Thank you, David. We're so pleased to have you on the panel, and we have a lot more to learn from you. We'll get back to you in a few minutes. And now let's move slightly around the table. One more notch to Michael O'Donnell at Utilities at SAP North America. And Michael has sent us a very famous and very long quote from Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, Citizenship in a Republic speech at La Sorbonne in Paris, France, of course, on the 23rd of April, 1910. Theodore Roosevelt, Commonly known, familiarly known as Teddy, was an American statesman and writer and the 26th president of the U.S. from 1901 to 1909 and the 25th vice president of the U.S. from 1901. He was also the 33rd governor of New York. He was kind of a busy guy. Uh, here's a pop quiz. Just Before I read the quote, Michael, does anybody know who the fourth face is on Mount Rushmore next to Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln? Does anybody know? You should all know now. Come on. Roosevelt. I bet it's Roosevelt. That's right. It's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And I th- I think that's very 
not known, <laughs> very little known. We've had this quote, we've had uh, Teddy Roosevelt quotes before, and it's always a surprise. I, I think I've heard that on Jeopardy, who's the fourth face, and nobody can figure out because he wasn't from that era of Lincoln, Jefferson, and Washington, a much more modern president. So here's the quote. Michael, I'm finally getting to the quote. I'm reading the whole thing. Here we go. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Michael O'Donnell, officially welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Delighted. Talk to me about the quote, and the the part that I put into my notes was, um, let's see, it's not the critic who counts, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. So how does this relate to our topic about utilities in smart cities? Michael? Yeah, yeah, I think both Jay and Dave covered off on some of it, and just the fact that the utilities industry is under such a drastic time of change, and historically, um, people don't look to the utility as being a fast mover or Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one who's going to be innovating. But with the, the dynamics and, and the market changes that are taking place right now, it's become really imperative for utilities to take a different stance. And so where they used to be very conservative in their approach and, and how they did anything, um, there's, there's had to be a major pivot in how they actually operate. And, and, and I, I get the opportunity to go around the country and meet with a lot of different utilities. Um, and they're now all looking to really figure out how do we change, how do we actually you know, do do things differently to be able to kind of meet the competition and, and um, make sure that we're going to be in existence a, a decade, two decades from now. So when I when I think about the quote, I think about failure, actually, and, and being mm-hmm. able to try new things and do new things and do them very rapidly. Um, and then, you know, if it doesn't work, being able to pivot very quickly and be, you know, more agile. So I think for utilities, you know, it's a time of great change, and they really just need to um, have a willingness just to get out there, get in the fight, and try new things, and not be afraid to fail, and be able to be more agile, more nimble, and 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 meet that competition where they are, and, and take a more proactive stance. Thank you, Michael. Does this require change management at the top levels of leadership, management, the C-suite, and utility companies, or is this something that they're reading the news, they're looking at their competitors, they're looking at the intruders into the space, and they're saying? Oh wow, we better do something now. Let's have a powwow. Let's have an offsite, and let's get out there and do something about it. Is this a, a slow to realize, and on the part of the long-standing, long-established companies? What's your your view from where you sit, Michael? Yeah, it's not one size fits all, but I will say it's pretty amazing what some competitive pressure will do to an organization mm-hmm. and their ability to adapt. I think. Uh, if, if you asked me the same question you know, 10 years ago, I would have absolutely said, you know, yes, it would have required massive amounts of change management. But I think with what everybody's seeing in the marketplace right now, and it's, it's happening very rapidly, um, I, I actually have seen a willingness by many, many utilities across the country uh, to be able to pivot very quickly and now focus on what they need to do in the future moving forward. Um, while there's still absolutely some change management that's going to always be required, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely much more of a willingness now. Thank you. I'm going to ask the same question around the table. I told all of you on the prep call if I come up with a question, it's it's fair game. Jay Miller at ITRON, do you? What's your uh, observation of the willingness, the awareness of utilities to to 
dip that toe into the brand new pool and say, yep, we're going to be in there. We're going to do something about it. What do you see, Jay? I, I agree with uh, Michael in part that uh, that things are shifting. I, I view it as not a off or on. I view it as a, 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 a you know, a, we're, we're moving the needle. And the, the needle moves faster in some areas than others. And what I'm finding is that there's, there's pockets of uh, the, the utility, and, and David will obviously speak to this because he's, he's in the middle of it, but there's, there's, there's those that need to keep what's running today running well and optimized and safe and efficient. And then there's new uh, organizations and, and new views coming into how do we get better consumer engagement? How do we interact with these uh, solar and wind farms? How do we... Uh, meet the challenges of smart cities. They're looking to figure out where to put uh, EV charging stations and how do we make sure that we're taking care of these new adjacent industries that are coming online. So seeing the needle move to where there is uh, uh, more urgency and more response uh, to some of these competitive pressures that Michael mentioned, and and that's the exciting part. It's not going to happen in day one. We're going to start we're going to work on some key projects, and things will uh, begin to open up from there, and new opportunities will present themselves. Thank you very much. David Harkness, want to get you in on this. What do you think? What's your observation? You're there. You're in the middle of this. What do you see? Is it something that is very, uh, wow, look outside, the change is happening, or is it something that's uh, groundswell inside the organization? What do you see? Well, I think it has to be a little bit of both, right? I think there has to be the, you know, hey, guys, this has got to happen inside our walls. We've got to start thinking more competitive. We've got to act more competitively. We've got to learn how to compete for customers. But in some ways, that's easier said than done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to take a, a company with experience that says, you know, you're not ultimately competing. Um, we always focus on the best experience for our customers. We always have a high focus on reliability. But how do you really start to turn and say, uh, we need to be competitive, um, but really, who are we competing against? Right? That's a huge mm. question uh, that has to be answered. I, I've worked in competitive industries before. And it was always easy to know who the the Darth Vader was, right? It was always easy to look out and say, that right there is who we have to beat. And now you kind of look at it and you say, well, who is it that we have to beat? We know that it's out there. We know that competition is here. Uh, We know we have to to do things differently and make different decisions and take different actions. But it's it's at this point in time, because we are at that change point, you don't really know who the evil... Uh, opponent is on the other side of the wall. So it makes it a little bit tougher to steer all of that energy and direct all of those efforts um, as part of that. And I'll tell you, the other thing that makes it kind of tough is that, you know, because you haven't been competitive, you're carrying around your old culture and your old technology footprint and your old Mm -hmm. decision making and all of that are like refrigerators on your back, right? So it's hard to just introduce uh, competitive juices uh, into a company that that you know that wasn't born without you know with those competitive juices, um, so the challenge is very real. I think uh, you know the folks at at XL Energy are certainly up to the task, and I think we're going to also really rely on our partners uh, like you know both Jay and Michael on the phone in order to help us get there. Thank you very much. Great insider view there, David. I love the fact that you said we don't know who they are. You have to compete, but who who is it out there? It's changing. It's, it, so many industries are changing. The lines are blurring, as we like to say. And let's unblur those lines right now. It's time to get to know our panelists just a little bit better. Jay Miller, I'm going back to the head of the table. You're up first, and I have a couple of questions for you. Number one, where in the world are you today, city, state, or country? We don't need an address. Number two, 
what, and I'm going to use a utility word, what powers you in terms of a beverage? What's your favorite drink that makes you smile and feel really excited to go to work or after work, perhaps? And number three, just tell us a little bit about your specific role at iTron. Jay? Bonnie, I'm in uh, sunny downtown Denver today at a local iTron office uh, doing the call. Uh, happy to be here again, and Michael and uh, David, good to join you. And uh, my drink, I've, I've got a... I've got a trio of drinks I start off with every morning. Living at altitude, you always have to have uh, water next to you. I mm-hmm. squirt some lemon in it to uh, keep it refreshing. Uh, I love uh, gross uh, green drink. Uh, I call it cheater <laughs> veggies uh, in some of these smoothies, uh, naked juice, things like that. But the thing that really powers me uh, every morning that I have my drink of choice is a, a brewed cup of yerba mate tea. And... Oh, we got a loud text message coming in. Okay, go ahead. uh, Yerba Mate (laughs) tea, and it's been my drink of choice for 15 years, and it provides me an energy boost. It makes me clear and focused, uh, not jittery. And I try all kinds of Yerba Mate. Uh, Guaque Yerba Mate is available. You can buy it in airports and uh, in bottles and cans and things like that. So uh, that's my my drink of choice. That's what's in my cup every day. Thank you. And Yerba Mate, anybody wondering, Y-E-R-B-A-M-A-T-E is a species of the holly genus with the botanical name Flex Paragenuensis something or other, named by the French botanist Auguste Francois César Provençal de Saint-Hilaire. It is used to make a tea beverage known as mate in Spanish and Portuguese. That's the right one, Jay? Yeah, that's it. Okay, and tell us what your role is at iTron. What do you do? So I work in our uh, outcomes business, and that's uh, putting together all the pieces and parts that we have for uh, communication networks and devices that we have. If you go out and look on the side of your house, there could be a, a piece of uh, a meter on the side of your house that says iTron on it. But our mission is to use all this technology to create a more resourceful world by innovating the way that utilities and smart cities manage the, their use of energy and water resources. So we've been around for about 40 years, and... Um, uh, we use these uh, technologies to measure and manage and improve the use of, uh, of all the resources that we have. We're in 132 countries around the world. Uh, our corporate base is in uh, Spokane, Washington, mm-hmm. but really we're a global virtual company and we're focused on uh, being near our utility and smart city customers. Thank you very much. Pleasure to get to know you. Let's scoot around the table. David Harkness, same three questions. Number one, where in the world are you? Number two, what drink powers you? Or drinks? We may, may be looking at double or triple drinks per panelist today. And what's your specific role at Excel Energy, David? All right. Well, I am located in uh, cold and rainy Minnesota. So it's, uh, it's not a very good day. I just had my boat uh, pulled from the water a couple weeks ago, so it's, mm. it's not a very happy. It takes me a couple weeks to recover from that day. <laughs> I remember those uh, days. I used to have a boat. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then as far as my favorite drink, I would have to go with a lemon drop martini at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas. It is it's, mm. it's it's just pure magic. That's all there is to it. Lemon drop martini. And, Let me look that up quickly. Excel Energy. Well, Excel, yeah, uh, we, mm-hmm. we operate in eight states. Um, we've got about 3.6 million electric customers, 2 million gas customers. Largest states that we operate in are Colorado and Minnesota. Um, vertically integrated gas and electric. We've got generation, nuclear. We've got two nuclear plants uh, here in Minnesota. 
Um, and my role here at Excel is I am their chief information officer. So all things IT uh, is basically what my role is. So everything from the customer care to the, you know, the phones on the desktop to, you know, email services to all of the application footprint, uh, you know, development, implementation, support, um, all of the above. So it keeps me busy. Thank you very much. It certainly does. And I just wanted to ask you if I have the right drinker. A lemon drop is a vodka-based cocktail that has a lemony, sweet, and sour flavor. Prepared using lemon juice, triple second, simple syrup, described as a variant or a take of the vodka martini. Typically prepared and served straight up, chilled with ice and strained. Is that the right one? That sounds perfect. Good. Okay. I'll, I'll meet you after the show. Yeah. I can't drink. watering as you were reading that off. So. <laughs> I can't drink martinis too strong for me. Thank you very much. You'll find out what I drink in a minute. Thank you, David. Michael O'Donnell, we'd love to hear the same from you. Where are you? What's your favorite power drink? And what is your role in utilities at SAP North America? Go ahead, Michael. Yes, so I am in lovely San Diego, California, in a windowless conference room um, at one of the major utilities here in Southern California uh, this morning. Um, but it is nice outside because I did have to walk in the building. Um, my favorite drink is actually much uh, simpler than the, uh, the other two panelists. I am a uh, diehard Dunkin' Donuts fan. I grew up in Boston, so no matter where I am in the country, I'm always mm-hmm. searching out for my uh, large... Dunkin' Donuts coffee with just cream. Thank I'm you. I'm powered by Dunkin', I guess you could say. There and, you go. Uh, so there you my go. job for... at SAP, yeah. yes. <laughs> my job at SAP <laughs> is uh, the National Vice President for our Utilities Practice. Um, we service uh, electric, gas, water, as well as waste uh, utilities. We're one of 25 uh, different vertical industries that SAP calls into. Uh, been with with the company 18 years. Um, and we are 93,000 people worldwide operating, mm. I think, in 180 countries. And so um, there it is. I didn't realize we were quite that big. I usually say 90. I didn't realize we were up to 93. Thank you very much. And I am sitting here in my home office in Durham, North Carolina, and just listening to my three panelists. I don't know what the three of you just did, but you brightened up the very overcast, cloudy sky here in Durham. It was very dark, and all of a sudden, it was almost like the sun was shining when the three of you were speaking. So whatever you did, if you're involved with our utilities or lighting up the sky, the three of you, I say thank you. I am not permitted to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days and I think you figured out why so all I'm having is a cool clear cup of cool clear water however I picked the color of the straw and today it's a green straw because we aren't quite into the fall leaves changing yet I'm from New York and I remember the wonderful trips upstate to see fall foliage it's just barely starting here so it's still a lot of greenery I just wanted to say thank you to our three panelists we are having a very lively discussion we're going to take a break for 90 seconds but if you're just tuning in we're talking today about digitalization Powering utilities in smart cities. This is Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies Radio. And my three ex- extremely smart and savvy panels, we have so much more to learn from them, are Jay Miller at ITRON, David Harkness at Excel Energy, that's XCEL, and Michael O'Donnell at SAP. Shout out to Pam Dunn at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel and all of the people in the background who are listening from ITRON and Excel and SAP. We appreciate that. If you're listening and enjoying the show, we'd love to hear your tweets. See them at Hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. We're going to take a quick break, so here's all I have to say. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Count them with us. Aaron out. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever. The future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, including more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Changing the game with intelligent technologies is presented by SA. Visit SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with intelligent technologies. Thank you very much. We're back. I'm just reading a tweet here. Pamela Dunn at SAP liked the quote I picked up from uh, David at Excel. The quote, David, I tweeted is, as utilities, we know we need to become more competitive, but we need to determine who the competition is. So you have been immortalized and retweeted, David. Just want you to know that. We're talking today about digitalization, powering utilities in smart cities with Jay Miller at iTron, David Harkness at Excel Energy, and Michael O'Donnell at SAP. And now we're officially at our roundtable, even though we've been going around the table several times. Here is what Jay Miller at iTron told me before the show. I'll read a little bit, then Jay will expand this, and then we'll invite David and Michael to chime in. So here's what he said. The convergence of utilities and cities. That's the header. Utilities are leveraging game-changing technologies to improve quality of citizen life, operations, and administration of cities. A lot in there. Jay, talk to me, please. Well, it's all about uh, looking for the starting point. And right now, um, lighting is an easy one. It's easy to it's mm-hmm. starting to show a positive return on investment. And there's many cities around the world. I know Paris has a commitment to reduce public lighting energy consumption by 30% by 2020. And, but, but what they've done to enable that is they've created this, this network that allows uh, them to connect controllers and 200,000 streetlights and traffic lights across the city. And then what they're doing is they're offering this network of communication uh, to other private parties uh, within the um, within the city, so that they can build applications and and city services to further their improvement and and create environmental impact. Uh, similarly, in in Glasgow, uh, they have an objective of reducing energy costs, and they're focused around uh, health benefits and road safety and bicycles and. They're creating an integrated city services based on a common network platform so that, again, they can share information. They can uh, detect uh, traffic patterns of pedestrians, of, of cars, uh, and count the number of people. And they can get all these analytics that are really helping 
improve the way of life through this uh, digitalization of this information and the shared network. And mo- many times, and I'd lo- like to hear uh, David comment on this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the utility is the one that owns the network, and they're the ones that are creating the network and this information communication path for all this great new information that we can use to, to improve our lives. Thank you, Jay. David, you have been summoned. Talk to us, David Harkness at Excel. <clears throat> Yeah, it's interesting you pointed that out, Jay, because we were just talking about this uh, here in my offices uh, last week. You know, one of our, from an IT perspective, uh, one of our largest investment areas, uh, both in uh, the capital expenditure as well as the support perspective, is in the network communication space. Um, It's, you know, when you start to think about the smart cities and smart devices in the grid and all of the communication that, uh, you know, we're, we're very different than I think a lot of corporate America. A lot of corporate America, they have a large employment center, they have a large business where all of their employees work, and they haul a bunch of data back to their data center if it's not already located there. Whereas from a utility perspective, if you think about all of the different things that we're connecting from a network perspective, you've got all the different service centers and substations, and and now that all these devices are becoming intelligent that are out on the, the, the grid, all of those things need to communicate. And some of it is via wireless, some of it is wireline, dark fiber. Um, so you know, what that infrastructure looks like, the investment that we need to make there, the security, the monitoring of all of those different elements of the grid, um, clearly uh, paramount uh, to securing the grid. So we talk about the capabilities that we can deliver. We talk about the, you know, the enhancements that we can provide our workforce so that we can have a, you know, a, a monitor that grid and make that grid be as efficient as possible, the customer capabilities that we enable with that network, uh, but the security on top of that is obviously paramount. Um, just, it, it, we can't go one step without making sure that all of those communications are, are secure along the way. Um, but to your point, as far as the shared network, you know, I think that's an area that a lot of utilities are looking at is where, where are there areas that we can uh, you know, invest not only uh, if for our own usage, but also share that asset across others. And, and, it, and it becomes a little bit easier from the government uh, ac- aspect, especially for the regulated, if you're looking at universities and cities and things like that. Um, but certainly as we move forward, uh, what are some other partnerships that we can form going forward? Thank you, David. Great insights. Michael, why don't you join us? What do you think? Yeah, so I think for us, it's, when we look at this explosion of, of, of data that David referenced, you know, it's really about how do we take all this, this data that's now coming off uh, the network and really drive value. So for us, the key is to really help um, utilities like Excel to think about what are we going to do with all this new data? You know, I've, I've heard the, the quote out there. I think there's more data produced in the last 18 months than there has been the last 100 years. So there's these you know, massive amount of information. And, and I think the big question that's yet to be completely answered, I think there are some good use cases out there, but um, is really what are we going to do with all this data and what does it mean for our customers and our constituents and how do we use it in a way that's meaningful and, and, and really help us, you know, drive a more efficient business. Thank you very much. Jay, you started this. Anything you'd like to add to what your co-panelists just shared? No, other than just uh, agree with what Michael and uh, and David said, and the, the there's going to be more and more sensors, and I think the wave is going to get bigger and bigger of all this information that we're going to be collecting and analyzing and looking at, and that's the, the big challenge we have because these adjacent private companies are going to come up with new ideas that we haven't even thought of yet in order to uh, be able to predict and improve our lives. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to move on. Let's talk about something that has to do with consumers. I mentioned that they're getting more and more demanding. We haven't really focused on that too much, but I think this next statement from David Harkness at Excel Energy will pull us in that direction. David told me before the show, quote, meeting the smart home expectations many of our customers are adopting is a massive undertaking. Smart technology and customer expectations require us, the utilities, to change how we work changing the grid from one-way direction of power and information to a two-way power flow and information exchange between utilities and customers. David Harkness, tell us more, please. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you pulled that one, Bonnie. You know, I think this is one of our biggest challenges, right, as a utility, is getting to know our customers. You know, it's one thing to know your customers from, you know, hey, this is how much energy they use, this is how much they bill. Um, but where we really need to go is a much, much deeper understanding of all of the elements of that customer's life. What do they prioritize? What's important to them? How do they make decisions in order for us to better serve that customer and provide mm-hmm. them a higher value uh, in the products and services? So that's, I think, the change that we're talking about, right? What is that digital transformation that, that our customers are, are undertaking, and how are we going to meet their well, it starts with just better understanding those, those customers. And then I think the other thing that, that utilities need to be uh, a little more savvy about is the, the partnerships that we form in the customer's home, right? When you start to look at how many uh, services that customer has today in and out of their home from cable TV to, mm-hmm. you know, if they've got a listening device from Google or Amazon on their desktop to, you know, what, all of those other services, how can we look to interact uh, with those various services, again, to better understand what the customer is doing inside the home, how they make decisions, uh, what they value, and how do we then provide a better and, and more uh, transformational level of, level of service to those customers. Thank you very much. Let me ask you a quick question. You being our, our industry insider, our utilities insider, David, how demanding are customers? Are, are we the consumers? Because we all have some kind of power, water, electricity, something coming into our abodes, our offices. How demanding are we? Are we on the phone saying, uh, I want my bill electronically or uh, I don't like the way you, you uh, I don't, I didn't get enough service last month. I want a credit or what, what are they demanding other than power me when and where I need the power and make it smart and make it seamless and make it safe? What, what level are demands reaching? I'm just curious. Well, the crazy thing about our service is we're the one service in their life that they never want to think about. Ah, right. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. when they flip the light switch, the lights need to come on and they don't even want to think about uh, a scenario where that doesn't happen. Um, so that's what makes, you know, when you think about all the other products and services in, in, in your lives and, you know, you think about, oh, I've got this phone and I'm going to connect to the, you know, to, I'm a favorite, a, a tweet from somebody and all these other things going on in your life. You're thinking about all those different apps. Well, when it comes to the, you know, gas and electric, you don't exactly want to think about it. Uh, you just want it to be there. And then the challenge becomes, well, what happens when it's not? And, you know, you always hear about advertising when they have a commercial on the Super Bowl and they never mm-hmm. build the infrastructure at an appropriate time in order to handle that Super Bowl commercial. Well, when you start to think about, you know, our, our industry, when we have an outage, that's our Super Bowl, right? Because we have to assume that every single customer out there is going to be reaching out to us in however they want to reach out to us. So some of yeah. them are going to be emailing, some are calling, some are hitting a website, a mobile app all of those different ways, and we need to be able to respond to all of that volume. 
and politely and timely. What can I say? Thank you very much, David. Reality check there. Michael O'Donnell at SAP. Love to get your thoughts on smart home expectations, smart technology, customer expectations. What's going on? Yeah, so it's it's definitely rapidly changing. And, uh, you know, for us at SAP, we, we kind of think of it through the lens of the prosumer, right? So to David's point, the, the historic kind of stance was people just want their lights to work. They want their showers to be hot, their beers to be cold, and then move on with their day. And they just <laughs> expect everything to work. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just drastically evolving um, when you think about things like, you know, uh, distributed energy with solar panels on the roof things like electric vehicles and, and how that impacts um, possible any energy storage in the home. Smart Home Hub, which David referenced, and, and how they can interact with that and how there's data there that can basically give a much more, um, I'll say, specific type of experience for that, that end user. So it's, it's, we're, we're dealing with a different type of consumer, and it's, it's not standing still. It's, it's rapidly changing. And so the question isn't, what do they want today? The question is really, what can we expect over the next three, five, seven, ten years um, out of our, our out of our customers? And and so, how do we need to think differently to be able to make sure that we're going to be able to meet the demands of that future prosumer? And because it's it, it's coming like a tidal wave right now, so it's an exciting time, but it's also uh, you know it's 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 a time of a, a great challenge that's in front of us. So it's um it, you know we have a lot to think about and consider about how do we evolve to make sure we're going to be able to meet those demands as we move forward. Um, over the next 10 years. Thank you very much. Jay Miller at iTron, please join us. What's your thought as a consumer, a prosumer, as an observer? This is a great conversation. There's there's a lot of uh, pilots and case studies and, and things that are evolving out there. And the way I think about it is, uh, and, and Michael and David have mentioned some of the technologies, but you get solar, you get a, a thermostat, you get a battery storage in your home, you've got an electric car, you've got home automation. So you have all these new technologies that uh, that are coming into play. And, and, and David, you mentioned you got to learn what the what your customers want, and what, you know what we've come to understand is they, there's one of three things: they either want value, they want to kind of minimize and optimize their uh, their 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 monetary spend for energy, uh, they want comfort, uh, or they mm-hmm. want uh, greenness. They want to be resourceful. They want to be empowered to make choices that are for uh, the good of the community. So if you if you look at it from those lenses, then you can begin to mix and match some of these technologies. You can have solar power, and you can uh, charge your battery uh, when the sun is out and discharge it and use it at night. Uh, you can, uh, you know, use uh, the battery when there's peak rates. Uh, some companies are billed at the peak rate of their utilization over a period of time. And if they can use a battery instead of pulling electricity from the utility at that moment, it's just like time and, and uh, energy arbitrage. There's so many exciting things that are going on right now. And, uh, you know, consumers, uh, to, to Michael and David's point, they're going to get smarter and more nimble and mix and match these technologies in new ways uh, that are going to be very helpful. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to create some challenges as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And um, David, this was your topic. You want to make a quick comment on what they said? We have a few minutes and I want to get one more topic in from Michael's list. But David, anything you'd like to add? Sure. Just real quick. You know, one of the things yeah. that that we've uh, started to put more time in here more recently is around our piloting capabilities. 
because um, one of the things that we're learning about today's consumers is that you can interview them. You can have focus groups, and you can say, hey, what do you think? Uh, would you use this? Would you buy this? Is this something that you would use? And they may answer a certain way, and then when you turn around and you develop a product, they behave uh, quite differently. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we're trying to do is get better at our piloting and actually rolling out trials uh, to different customer types in different states, different regions, uh, and vary those products so that we can learn through real products, real prices, and better understand what it is that the, that the consumers are actually looking for. Thank you very much. Michael, I'm moving on. I just w- I'm going to ask you for a definition before I go to where I really want to go, but you talk about regulated and deregulated environments. Can you enlighten me? What does this mean in terms of utilities, please? Yeah, sure. So um, different states have different regulations. So for Har- David Harkness and, and Excel Energy, they're a regulated utility, and, and so they have somewhat of a captive audience at this point. For other utilities down in Texas is, is a very um, a market everybody points to, which has full deregulation, so it's a completely open, competitive market um, where consumers actually get to choose who their provider is for um, their energy. So it's a and then we have some other states in the country that are what they call bill-ready, so that while they still may receive the bill from the local utility, they can actually go out and look to get the most competitive rate for the distribution of that energy. Thank you very much. And here's where I'd like to go. You said something I think is very provocative. You noted the rapid transformation of utilities to new digital business models requires organizations to adopt an ambidextrous business posture. Talk to me. What is ambidextrous in this regard? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because we've kind of alluded to this uh, throughout this entire conversation that you still absolutely have to uh, provide safe, reliable energy and and for the customer today, right? And so um, there's that aspect of things, and then there's really managing all this other disruption that's going on, things like distributed grid and and all sorts of you know uh, insurgent type of of activity going on, and so. When I think about being ambidextrous or, you know, bimodal is another way to think about it, you know, from a technology perspective, it's being able to have your core stable systems, whether it be on the customer side or the asset side, being able to operate very cleanly and then being able to leverage that kind of digital or the digitalization of uh, your innovation platforms and being able to be very flexible and agile and move very quickly with how you actually deliver innovations to your customers and your ecosystem. Um, so that's kind of where the ambidextrous uh, idea came in there. Thank you very much. Let's see what Jay Miller has to say and then David Harkness before we, ooh, in about three minutes we're going into our crystal ball predictions round. So, Jay, what do you think? You know, uh, really quickly, uh, we're, you know, David mentioned in his opening statement, you know, uh, don't know who the enemy is, and, and what mm-hmm. I'm taking from this is, there's there's so many different angles that we're looking at this that it's really gonna it's a, it's really a collaboration and uh, so the business posture I think the utilities are at the hub uh, they 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 are the man right now uh, there's many providers of uh, energy and resource coming online there's different ways to move it around to to shift the time around and we all got to get uh, we all got to we all got to work together on that because the pace of change is going to keep going. And uh, the better we do that, the more we collaborate, the more we find places to start and uh, not dream too big, but figure out some practical ways to make this uh, technology advantageous to all of us, uh, we'll be able to win. 
Thank you very much. Quickly, David Harkness, any thoughts on what we're talking about, the regulated versus deregulated or the ambidextrous business model? What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, first, I think that prioritization uh, and piloting, what do we do? Where do we go first? Because there's literally, you know, dozens and dozens of, of, you know, opportunities that we can go invest in. And I think on the bimodal comment uh, that Michael was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can't agree more uh, with that. There's a real challenge for us. We, we can't just print new money and go rewrite all of our systems to, to accommodate the customer of the future. We've got all of this existing infrastructure and investment that we need to continue to support as well. So the way we look at bimodal within the IT space is what, where can I provide basic capabilities from an IT perspective to the rest of my business at the lowest price point possible so that I can turn around and have the money to invest in some of these more, you know, whether it's the, the, the intelligent grid, uh, the customer uh, touch points, you know, better communication during those critical outage moments. So how do I find the ability to invest in those resources that clearly our customers are, are yelling for as a priority? Thank you very much. I have a quick question for all of you. I know we're in our predictions round, but I want to just ask, is there an excitement in the utilities industry about smart homes, about IoT devices, about consumers wanting better power, cleaner power, renewable energy. Is there an excitement or is it just, a, oh, darn, we got to go. Oh, we have new competitors. Is there an excitement? Let me just quickly get a yes or no, and then, Jay, get ready for your prediction. So, Jay, yes or no about excitement on the part of utilities with all of the changes in the industry? I definitely feel excitement uh, talking to utilities and to customers. Thank you. David Harkness, are you excited about yes, all this? absolutely excitement. Yeah, no other, no other word for it. I think excitement's perfect. Thank you. I, I think that was missing from our conversation. I had to add it. And Michael O'Donnell, agree or disagree? Yes? No? Absolutely. Couldn't agree Good. more. Mark. I like that. Jay Miller, you're up. 60 seconds. Give me your prediction, please. What do you see coming? I like to say up, or, up the road, down the pike, up the pike, down the road, wherever. In terms of utilities, digitalization, new technologies, the intelligent enterprise, competition, demanding customers, exciting new opportunities for renewable energy, and all of the smart devices we all want to say, look what I have, look what I'm, look at how smart my house is. So what are your predictions? Anytime between five minutes after we're off the air to, let's say, out to 2025, Jay Miller, 60 seconds, go. Uh, I think we're all going to become uh, much smarter as uh, consumers of power, and we're going to have new tools in our toolbox to be able to uh, to manipulate our, our homes, our communities. Uh, I think the utilities will be uh, uh, continue to be the primary aggregator of all of that, and uh, this uh, all these competitive pressures are just going to make it exciting for us. And in the future, I don't think we'll be talking about smart cities. I think it'll just be a normal way of doing business, and yeah. uh, cities will just view these as uh, best practices and, and ways to uh, better manage uh, resources and water uh, for energy. Thank you very much. Good insights. David Harkness, Excel Energy. I have 60 seconds with your name on them. Go. Uh, I think there's going to become a time, and it's probably not very far off, where you're going to be able to speak into your voice unit from either Amazon or Google, and you're going to be able to say, Google, save me money on my electric bill. And it's going to say, well, what temperatures are you willing to live between? 
and it's going you're going to answer that, and it's going to turn around, and then it's going to program your programmable thermostat, your refrigerator, your HVAC. It's going to use your time of day electric rates in order to know when to use energy and when not to use your car charger. It's going to coordinate all of that for you, and then you're going to start getting text messages that say, "Here's how much you saved by making that one single statement into your device." Wow. Count me in. Sign me up. I am ready. Thank you, David. That was exciting. Michael O'Donnell. I have 60 seconds. Actually, Michael, good news. They were so concise. I have 90 seconds for you. Go ahead, Michael. Well, there we go. I really uh, like David. That uh, I, I see it coming, and it's exciting exciting times that we live in. So uh, for me, I actually made this statement a couple of weeks ago at our SAP for Utilities conference. Uh, you know, what I see happening uh, as we move forward, I think the utilities that focus on a greater sense of purpose and how they operate and how they service their communities and the people within those communities are going to be the ones that are going to thrive. So technology is going to play a big role in that and how that actually takes place. But I really feel like if the, peop- if the, if the utility gets the engagement right with their consumers, all the rest will take care of itself as far as how that engagement plays out via technology. Thank you very much, all. Very, very interesting. Um, let me just, we have, we have an extra minute here, which is very rare. We covered a lot of material. Let me ask you, what's your favorite city, and is it smart? Your favorite city in the world you love to go to, and how smart is it? Quickly, Jay Miller, where do you love to go? Uh, I love to go up to Seattle, and uh, there's a lot of technology up there. It's uh, it's an innovative community, a lot of businesses, a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs, and I think it's uh, I think it's uh, getting to be a much smarter city all the time. It's been a little while since I've been up there. Good to know. By the way, you know my last name. We'll leave it off the air. Well, you know my last name. My late father-in-law designed and built a space needle. We'll leave that to architectural history. Just saying. David Harkness, what's your favorite city? Uh, I like Las Vegas, Nevada, because I can get those lemon drop martinis there. But <laughs> I think as far as the smart city, I think they're coming along. I think it's probably more of a of an element of the the intelligent, you know, hotels and restaurants and, you know, the things there that um, that I think really start to add more, uh, you know, more enjoyment to being in that city. Thank you. Michael O'Donnell, quick city, where? Boston, Massachusetts. Go Red mm. Sox. Um, okay. <laughs> and yes, I think I think it's a smart city, um, and obviously well known for their their universities. And um, I, I do know there's been a, a number of different engagements from a smart city perspective uh, in Boston. And, and I think with all the universities they have within their their limits, there's a lot. Of, there's a big push. Uh, sure. To be green, to be sustainable. Thank you. Um, go Harvard, uh, go yes. BU. I have to close. Thank you very much. I want to say to uh, Pam Dunn, uh, Rasheen Monahan at SAP, thank you for this series. I think we're done with our, our intelligent technology series for the year. And I want to thank Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at Game Changers Radio at Voice America, World Talk Radio. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, especially if you're driving in a smart city. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jay Miller at iTron just like David Harkness at Excel Energy, and just like Michael O'Donnell at SAP. Buddy D. Graham signing off. Talk to you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with a live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers, followed by 2 p.m. Eastern. We will be back with predictive machine learning. Don't miss them. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.